Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41, if you're there, say amen. amen. And it says, Elijah said unto Ahab, get you up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of an abundance of rain. And so Ahab, mm, and so Ahab, went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and get you down that the rain stop you not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. I said, there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And tonight I want to minister a message the Lord has been just brewing over in my spirit for the last month. I want to minister a message entitled, It's Beginning to Rain. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I feel it overflowing and bubbling up on the inside. I can't hold it in. It's beginning to rain. Hey, hallelujah. It's beginning. It's beginning to rain. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you tonight in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you, God, for your presence. And Lord, we're just asking you, Lord, for your anointing on me to minister, your anointing upon us to receive. And that Jesus, you would be glorified and we, that we would be edified. Lord, giving all the glory to you. I ask you, Lord, for freedom and liberty in the name of Jesus. We say it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. You know, over, over the past 20 years, the time that, that I've been here at the ministry, I've heard many messages, and those of you that have been here for a while, you've We've heard many messages from this platform, from this pulpit, actually from this passage of Scripture. I know I've heard Brother Donnie minister on it it several times, Brother Swigert as well. And for the most part, and there's different things that have been ministered on, but for the most part, the main thing that have been ministered on that I can remember over the last 20 years is mainly from the words of Elijah in verse 41, where Elijah told Ahab, there is, an, there is a sound of an abundance of rain. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. I just, as I'm thinking about it, I just recall, I can remember the Donnie in particular preaching that several times. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. And I've, we've heard that many times over the years. The people, there's a sound of an abundance of rain. The rain is coming. We need to continue to seek the face of God because God's about to do something great. 
We've heard that word. There's a sound coming. There's a sound of an abundance of rain. It's a great move of God that's coming. You know, as I stand here tonight, I feel it so much in my spirit that no longer is it just a sound. I said no longer is it just a sound. No longer is it just a cloud, that little cloud that we can see in the distance somewhere. But now God is moving in a great and mighty way right in front of our eyes. It is beginning to rain. Oh, hallelujah. It's beginning to rain. It's beginning to rain. What does that mean? That means that God is moving in a supernatural way, doing things that are absolutely impossible. I said doing things that are absolutely impossible with man, but God is doing it right in front of us, right in our midst. God, help us to see what God is doing. I said, God, help us to see what God is doing. You know, I've been a, a student of Pentecostal history for, for several years now, and, and uh, I was not raised necessarily in Pentecost. I was baptized in the Spirit when I was 16, and I like to say I've been Baptist and I've been Pentecostal, and it's better being Pentecostal. But even though I was raised in a Baptist home, for the most part, I love Pentecostal history. I love, the, I love to study the revivals. I want to know my forefathers. I want to know the ones who went before me. I want to know what happened in the prior generations leading up to this generation. I want to know about it. And I've studied about the Azusa Street Revival. I've studied about the Welsh Revival led by Evan Roberts. Again, Azusa Street led by William Seymour and the other great revivals that took place and over the years, there has been, in my heart, there has been a desire, and I know I'm not alone in this, but it is very, there has been a desire in my own heart as I've studied what God has done in the past, even the recent past, in the last hundred years. There's been a desire in my heart, and Lord, it says, Lord, you did it then. <laughs> Lord, do it again, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you did it in 1904 in Wales. God, you did it in 1906 to 1909 in Azusa Street. Then why not us, Lord, in this generation? God, do it again. Pour out your Holy Spirit in this generation. God, you are no respecter of persons. And even though culture has changed somewhat, and even though we're living in the modern days of technology and things like that has changed, but God, you have not changed. And our need has not changed. Even though culture has changed somewhat with technology and where everything is technology-driven, William Seymour didn't have an iPhone. Probably didn't even have a phone. He had a newsletter. And even though things like that have changed, people have not changed. We have not changed. We still need the power of God to move. 
We still need the gospel. We still need the cross. We still need the blood of Jesus. Hey, we still need Jesus. We still need his word. We still need the truth. We still need him. In this generation, our generation, there's been a desire in my heart. I remember it several years ago. God, as I in prayer, in a season of prayer, God just, oh, drove it into my spirit, those simple words, why not us, Lord? Why not us? Why not this generation? You did it then. I've heard Brother Swagger and Sister Swagger and Brother Donnie talk about what God has done in the past. But Lord, why not this generation? We need you to move again, Lord. We need you to move again. You know what? I believe that here we are seeing the beginning of a great move of God. I said, we are seeing the beginning of a great move of God. And God is answering prayer. Do you hear me tonight? I said, God, what is God doing? God is answering prayer. That's what he's doing. We've sought the face of God for years. We've asked God to move for years. For years we've sought the face of God. And understand this tonight, it's not some works righteousness thing. It's not that we deserve anything. We don't deserve anything. The simple fact of the matter is that God answers prayer. He answers the faithful petition of his people. And what God is doing right now, I said what God is doing right now in our midst is God is answering prayer. Oh, and I think, I think of the words of the angel that came to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 when he told Daniel, Daniel, from the first day you set your heart to understand your prayer was heard and I have now become, become because of your prayer. It's not some works righteousness thing, but God answers faithful petition. What is God doing now? God's answering prayer. I said God's answering prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I just, I can't get over that. God's answered prayer. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Hallelujah. The devil tried, oh, he can hinder, but he cannot stop what God is doing. He can't stop it. And right now, as you and I cry out, as you cry out in your own time with God, you've been crying out for God for things. Keep on believing him because he's a God that answers prayer. Hey. 20 years ago, I remember, we were asking God to send the rain. (laughs) 15 years ago, I remember, we were asking God to send the rain. 10 years ago. Five years ago, yesterday, this morning, we were asking God to send the rain. God is answering prayer right in our midst. Well, how can you say that? How can you say that, Bob? I don't see people coming in here with wheelchairs and walking out, so on and so forth. You know, sometimes we can get a wrong view, I think, of a move of God. You see, in the last six months, what God has done in this ministry is he has created, God has brought to pass Sun Life Broadcasting Network. That's a miracle, folks. I said, that's a miracle. 
in just six months of time, we're, we are reaching almost half of the potential population of this country. Come on now. I said, God is doing something supernatural. Hey, that goes beyond us. It goes beyond personality. It goes beyond those things. It's God that's moving. It's beginning to rain. Hey. Oh, it's beginning to rain. Mm. And you and I, you and I are seeing it with our own eyes. And get this, there are greater things to come. Hear me today, I ain't saying here, I ain't standing up here saying, well, that it's a ride. No, no, there, are more, there is more to come. I said there's more to come. But what we need to know is that, God, it's beginning to happen. I said it's beginning to happen. It's beginning to happen. It's like a Holy Ghost locomotive. Oh, you get that big train going, and there's nothing the devil can do that can stop it. Hallelujah. Mm, it's beginning to rain. It's beginning to rain. You know, in this passage of Scripture, 1 Kings chapter 18, I see so many parallels in this passage between what God has done in this ministry and what God is doing and what God shall do in this ministry. I see so many parallels in it. And tonight I just want to bring out some of the things, the parallels that God has really laid upon my heart very strongly. In the first part of this chapter, 1 Kings 18, for about one, verses 1 through 15, we see in that passage in general that there is, was a famine in the land of Israel. There was a famine, again, in the land of Israel. And that famine had lasted for about three years. And the reason for that famine is because Israel had forsaken God's covenant. I said Israel had forsaken God's covenant. And whenever God's people forsake the covenant, watch out, because dryness is right around the corner. And what happened is Israel physically found themselves in a famine. No water for three years. Dryness, emptiness, just a wilderness, a desert all because they had forsaken the covenant. And again, whenever God's people forsake the covenant, what happens or the result is dryness. Even under the new covenant, the new covenant really is the cross. What Jesus has done for us at Calvary, forsake the cross and the result is dryness. Cold, dry religion. You forsake your foundation. And that's what happened in Israel that day. You know what, I see the same thing happening in the world, in the church world today. It's been like that for quite a while. Just a spiritual famine, a famine of the word, a famine of the truth, a famine of the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit, a famine. God raised up a man, Elijah. And we see, we see in verse 18 that Elijah, can you look at it for a moment, verse 18 for a moment, First uh, Kings 18, verse 18. Elijah came to Ahab, and he answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and you and your father's house, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed Balaam. And <coughs> Elijah confronted Ahab. 
And he confronted him and said basically to Ahab, Ahab, you have led God's people into idolatry, into sin. Ahab, and in reality, Jezebel, his wife, had led God's people into idolatry, into sexual immorality, into the worship of the other gods, the false gods, primarily Baal. And there was a confrontation that was there. You know, it's interesting that in the church world today, people don't like confrontation. One of the things I've heard so many times, maybe you have too over the years, as it regards this ministry, what are you calling out names for? What are you doing that? What are you being confrontational for? Well, God at times is confrontational. I said, God at times is confrontational. God raised up Elijah to confront Ahab, to confront that false way, that wrong direction that they were going, to confront them, to confront them. And even in today, again, today's world, many in the church don't like to, they don't like to be confrontational. But get this, God's messengers, if they're speaking the truth, are not being confrontational just to be confrontational. They're not being confrontational to get ratings. Not being confrontational just because they like it. No, they're being confrontational because God has put the truth in their heart. God has put the love of God in their heart. They recognize Who am I not to speak the truth, not to speak the word of God? Something has to be said. I said something has to be said. Something has to be said. Elijah stood up, and one of the things you see has happened on this ministry, especially since 1997, is God has raised up this ministry like an Elijah voice. Like an Elijah voice, and it said, you're going the wrong direction. Just like Elijah, when he gathered Israel together, and he told them, how long do you halt between two opinions? How long do you waver between two opinions, Israel? And God has raised up this ministry. We're not the only ones, but God has raised up this ministry to be an Elijah voice that says, church, How long will you waver? How long will you halt between two opinions? It's either your way or it's God's way. It's either your way, church, or it's God's way. And God's way is the cross. I said God's way is the cross. (coughs) Not a wooden beam. Not a pulpit, not a steeple, not a Christian t-shirt, his pain art gain, nothing wrong with that, but it's not about that, it's not about a man or a minister, it's about what Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. And how long, how long, church, will you go your own way, come back to our foundation? Come back. To our foundation. I remember studying yes, several years ago the foundation or the roots of the Assemblies of God denomination. And when they first began, the first message that was ever preached at their general council meeting 
1914 in Hot Springs, Arkansas, the first message that was ever preached was the finished work of Calvary. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? The first message ever preached, that's what their roots are. The finished work of Calvary. The finished work of Calvary. God was using a man by the name of William Durham during that time. From 1907 to about 1913, I believe it was, when he finally passed away. God raised up this man. He was a Baptist minister from Chicago. He came to Azusa Street and got baptized with the Holy Ghost. But he began to see some error in the church, specifically in, the, in regards to sanctification. And he began to see that this doctrine of instant sanctification is not right. We are not sinlessly perfect. He began to see these errors, and he began to address it. And William Durham, this former Baptist minister, now baptized with the Holy Ghost, began to preach that we are not justified only by faith in the cross, but we are sanctified by faith in the cross. He began to preach it. At the same time, the oneness movement began to develop. And I believe that God raised up that man like William, William Durham to He began to preach the finished work of the cross, that we are not justified only by faith in Calvary, but we are sanctified by faith in the finished work of Calvary. That is our roots. What God is doing in the church right now is he's calling us back to our foundation. Because without the blood of Jesus, without the cross, there is no power. I said without the cross, there is no power. Revelation 12 and verse, 13, verse 11 says it all. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen. And they loved not their lives unto the death. God has raised up this ministry as one. Reach out to the church and reach out to the world that needs to be saved, but also reach out to the church and say, how long will you halter between two opinions? In verses 22 through 24 we see it in that passage that God, or that Elijah told Israel, and I'll paraphrase in here, but he told Israel, you got 450 prophets of Baal, and I am a man of God all by myself. But this is what we're going to do, okay? Because this has gone on long enough. This is what we're going to do. We go up to Mount, the top of Mount Carmel, Oh, hallelujah. Elijah had that, he had that high noon, like Brother Swagger talked about this morning. He had that flowing through his veins. Mm. He was ready to rumble spiritually. He said, you bring your 450 prophets of Baal, bring them up to the top of Mount Carmel. You have them built on it. You build an altar, you prophets of Baal. You put a sacrifice on it. And I'm going to do the same thing, just me by myself, calling on Jehovah God. And you call on the name of your gods, and I'm going to call the name of the only God. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. So, that's what they did. And the 450 prophets of Baal built their altar, and they put the sacrifice on it, and they cried out all day long, 
all day long they cried out. They even got to the point where they were cutting themselves because that's what the devil does to you. That's how the devil treats his own. And they began to cut themselves and their own blood was being poured out on the altar, their own altar to a false god. And their god, Baal, never answered because Baal is a false god. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which was the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah said, okay, now it's my time. And he, the Bible says that he, in verse 30, the Bible says that Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I said he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You see, what God has done in this ministry the last, or since 1987 in particular, is that God has repaired the altar that was broken down. Now, it may have been broken down through ignorance, but it was broken down in regards to sanctification in particular. And what God has done is God has repaired the altar that was broken down. Hey, hey. And individually, we are some folks in this house, and I'm talking to some people watching by television, listening by radio, that the altar of the Lord has been repaired in your life. Hallelujah. Hey, the altar of the Lord has been repaired in your life. The altar of the Lord is a type of the cross. Not just in regards to salvation, but in regards to everything. Our whole Christian life. That the cross is sufficient for everything. It's an all-sufficient sacrifice. And the altar was repaired. And what God has done in this ministry, he has repaired the altar. And you know what's incredible? You know what's awesome? Is that it's not just us. And right here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana... It's not just us four no more, if you don't mind me saying that. But there are churches popping up all over the place that are preaching the message of the cross. I mentioned Cross River Church in Niagara Falls. The altar has been repaired. Oh, hallelujah. Crossway Church in Atlanta, Texas. The altar has been repaired. Mm. Restoration of the Christian Life Fellowship in Rochester, New York. The altar has been repaired. Oh, oh, and I could just go on and on. The altar has been repaired. The altar has been repaired in this heart. Come back to the cross. And God and Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. The Bible says that he cried out to God. And in verse 38, it says, And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The fire of God consumed that sacrifice. It was a supernatural fire from God that just came from heaven and shoo, just consumed that sacrifice. Just in probably a a 10-second prayer from what we can see in 1 Kings 18. Crying all day long on Baal, wearing themselves out, cutting themselves. But in 10 seconds of crying out to God, boom, the fire of God fell. Oh, hallelujah. 
And when that fire of God fell upon that sacrifice and that altar and consumed it, didn't just consume the sacrifice, but consume the whole thing. Hear me tonight. That was, that was God's way of saying, I approve of the altar. And I approve of this messenger. I approve of this altar as being the right sacrifice. I approve of this sacrifice as being the right way to me. You see, in the Bible, the fire that falls from heaven, many times it can be viewed as a type of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's correct. It's, it's all right to view it that way. But you see, in the Bible, the fire of God falling from heaven can also be viewed as a sign of God's approval. For example, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 1, at the dedication of Solomon's temple, it says they were dedicating that temple, and the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices and offerings that were dedicated to God. And that fire that fell from heaven was a sign of God's approval upon that temple. God was saying, this house is my house. And the fire of God that fell upon Elijah's altar, and it says actually in verse 30, that was the altar of the Lord. You hear me tonight? That was the altar of the Lord. The cross is the altar of the Lord. Well, Well, how does that parallel with what's going on what has happened? What I see over the last 20 years, and in particular the last 13 years from 1997, or 14 years I should say, is over the years, I've seen, we've seen God do so many things at this ministry. So many great moves of God. And you know what? Every great move of God that we see, every time that the Spirit of God moves in such a powerful way, that was like the fire of God being sent from heaven and saying, I approve. I approve of this message, and I approve of this ministry. During the last camp meeting, when God just moved, when, when Brother Lauren was scheduled to preach, and uh, Sister Donna came out and sang, to me, he's become my everything. What was going on? It was like the fire of God just falling from heaven, saying, I approve. He doesn't approve because we're something special. He approves because we're preaching to someone that's special. It's God's way of saying, I approve of this message. And I approve of this ministry. I approve of this message and I approve of this ministry. And hear me tonight, there are greater things to come, but it's already happening in our midst. It goes on to say in verse 41 that Elijah told Ahab, Ahab, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel of a king. You, you get up and eat and drink. For there's a sound of abundance of rain. He said, get up, for there's a sound of an abundance of rain. The Bible says in 42 and 43, 43 that Ahab went. But Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel. In verse 42, and it says that he put his face between his knees. And he began to seek the face of God. And in that place of seeking God, he told his servant, Servant, go look towards the Mediterranean Sea. 
go look there. Do you see anything? And the servant went and came back and said, I don't see anything. Elijah told his servants, you go back seven times. Go back seven times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Go back seven times. Seven is God's number of perfection. You keep going back. You keep going back. Keep believing. Hallelujah. You know, the years, that's one thing I've seen. It's one thing I've seen in this ministry. It doesn't make us great. It makes our God great. One of the things I've seen is that we keep on going back. Hey, we keep on going back. We keep on believing. We keep on believing. No matter how it looks, we keep on going back. We keep on believing. Keep on believing. Tonight, tonight, whatever your situation is in, you keep on going back. Go back. (coughs) Well, I don't see anything. Go back. I don't see anything. Go back. I don't see anything. Go back in the name of Jesus. And it says that Elijah in verse, in verse 44, the time finally came the seventh time that there was a size or cloud the size of a man's hand. And he told Ahab, Ahab, you prepare your chariot and get you down that the rain stop you not. Verse 45, the rains came. It began to rain. And it says in verse 45, there was a great rain. And in verse 46, it says, the hand of the Lord was, uh, was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And the singers and the musicians can come back if they, may, if they would. It says in verse 46, again, that the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. What's so big about that? Well, if you realize that Elijah was an older gentleman, he was a more experienced man, probably in his 70s, maybe even in his 80s. The Bible says the hand of the Lord, which Trent being, what that means is the power of the Holy Ghost came on him. The power of God came upon This man that was in his 70s, maybe even in his 80s, or maybe even more than that. And those that age don't outrun chariots. But the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he outran Ahab's chariot to Jezreel. Hey, hallelujah. He outran it. He outran it. And that first step was a doozy. Elijah, God laid it on Elijah's heart to go to Jezreel. And boom, he took that first step and the power of God came all over him. And he began to run. He began to run. He began to run. And get this. Jezreel was 25 miles away. 25 miles away. That was the first marathon in the Bible. <laughs> 25 miles away, and he was this older man out running a chariot. Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, my Lord, I can just imagine Ahab as he was riding that chariot. All of a sudden, he looks beside him, and there's Elijah booking right past him. Woo! Hallelujah. Right, right past him. Right on by him. Hey! Hey! Hallelujah. What in the world is going on? Elijah outran that Ahab all the way to Jezreel. You know what? What is it about that? What do we see in that? I see in that there's two things. Is number one, God is speeding things up. Come on now. We ain't got much time left. God said, God is speeding things up in a supernatural way, in a way that's beyond us, because time is short. I said, time is short, and God is speeding things up. Another thing we see is that God is, good, God is giving supernatural strength to do what needs to be done. I said, God is doing, giving supernatural strength. Get, hear me now. From the pulpit to the pew. From the pulpit, from the singer, from the choir, to the, every part, God is giving supernatural strength. To those of you that are watching by television, listening by radio or the internet, you support this work, or you're going to support this work. God is, going to give you, God is going to give you supernatural strength. God is speeding things up. We don't have much time left. And God is doing something supernatural right in our midst. Stand to your feet if you would, please. The word Jezreel in this passage, well, it says that Elijah outran Ahab the Jezreel. You know what the word Jezreel means? The word Jezreel actually means two things. It means a place of sowing. Not sowing cloth, but sowing seed. It also means God is sowing. <laughs> it's a place, you could say, Jezreel was a place, symbolically, where God is sowing seed. Oh, yes. oh come on now. Where God is sowing some seed, where some seed is being sown. And you know where God has taken us individually and this ministry as a whole? God's taken us somewhere. God is giving us supernatural strength. He's speeding things up. Because there is seed that needs to be sowed to the world, to the church. But tonight, tonight you may feel in your heart, well, Brother Bob, I don't feel... I don't feel like it's raining. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm tired. Yes, it is. I, I certainly don't feel like Elijah outrunning anything. Praise God for Jesus. Tonight you may be weary in your heart. You may be weary in your body. But you know, the word of Jesus is simply this. Just come. Praise Just come. It's already bought and paid for. That's the message of the cross. It's already purchased for you. Just come. Just believe and rest. Hallelujah. As you pray, do it from a place of believing and resting. As you worship, do it from a place of believing and resting. As you labor, 
do it from a place of believing and resting. Believing and resting. Believing and resting. As you're out running Ahab's chariot, do it from a place of believing and resting. And what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word tonight. We just ask you, Lord, for your grace and your strength. We ask you, Lord, for your focus, Lord, to, to see what you're doing. To see what you're doing right in our midst. To see it. To be thankful. To press in. To believe you. And rest in what you've done for us at Calvary. Lord, we say it all in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. If you want to come to the altar, you're more welcome to. God bless you.